Hello and welcome to another program in the Chapel FM's Summer Broadcast Festival, Access All Areas. Um, today's um, theme is community and today we've got a very special program. It's um, a trip down memory lane um, and it's basically a show bringing Seacroft together, would you say? I'm here with Aaron, this is Madge. Hello, hello, I'm Aaron, and uh, yeah, yeah, I would say it is about sort of bringing the community together, this one, and you know, it's got some special memories, especially for the pair of us. Yeah, so uh, what we're talking about is, there was a a musical, Yep. and it was uh, specific to Seacroft, it was called, Oh, I Do Like to Be Beside the Seacroft which um, was this whimsical tale of um, a boy coming to this mythical place called Seacroft, going on adventures, meeting colourful characters. Um, yeah, I, uh, I remember the stories like Carrie, which is a little like, country boy, gets on a bus and mm. ends up in Seacroft instead of the seaside. Yeah. And then it's just this sort of crazy, magical mm. adventure. Yeah, so now we're broadcasting from Chapel Fem Arts Centre, but... We rehearsed just literally next door, in the the small. It was like it felt like um, a function room, which I think you would have bingo in and stuff like that. But we we got we got all those people out, you know, shoot them out as we came in, and we were doing rehearsals for this musical that was quite. It was quite bizarre, but but fun. Uh, you know, it was, it was how intense, would you wasn't it? It, it was yeah. really quite intense doing the all like so. Like the acting and the singing and dancing all at once, as well as getting your lines right, and then on top of that, you've got like other stuff to like watch out for, like other mm. people are doing. I was like, oh wow, <laughs> ah. yeah. It was basically you had to be a triple threat, I think, in this. Uh, yeah. Um, I think the the easiest part felt like it was acting because um, pr- pr- pretty much everyone um, in the show were not professionals. There were locals from around the area. Um, and I think reading lines is kind of easy, but then, oh, you, we want you to sing as well. And then, oh, we've got some dance routines that maybe you, you know, we want the whole cast at the same time on stage, um, to dance along. And so I'm, I'm kind of interested to hear your opinion on this, but I always found the dancing and the singing, the one that I was more scared of. Mm. And the weird part is like, you know, when you know, you're not terrible at singing you know you're mm. not going to make everyone yeah. scream and the windows crack yeah but for some reason you're just like nope nope i can't yeah. sing in front of these people yeah so when you get that what the first knot out you're like oh i'm confident and then you're like oh people are looking and listening and then you kind of like mumble sing yeah or like talk mumble yeah sing. mumble sing or, uh, or like do the rhubarb rhubarb just <laughs> yeah. mouth mouth the words and um but i think during rehearsals that, that i felt that but then when i guess when you're out in in the crowd, we actually played the the show at the Playhouse it was. On, on the quarry stage, which uh, I believe was a sellout. It was. Um, Seven hundred and fifty people. Yeah, like full. Like I've never seen. I've never been in front of that many people before. So it was. But I think when when 
we got on stage, I felt like it was like, it's now or never. So, you know what? Why don't I just be the loudest person there? Why don't I be the flashiest person there? That's exactly what went through my head as well. Yeah. Like that sort of moment of, this is it. You've got to do something now. Yeah. It was, um, it was an experience. Um, weirdly, I didn't feel nervous because I think when, when you have a community like that mm-hmm. where people have worked together, we've been there from from day one, the inception of, oh, we've, we've got this idea for this show um, and maybe people around the community might want to get involved to then... Yeah, I, I was slightly like that, but like I remember the night before I was having the whole sort of panic nightmare <laughs> thing, you know, what if everything burns down? Yeah. You know, what if the, the stage collapses midway through and you're like, just chill, it'd be fine, mm. honestly. Yeah, because we, we all had different sections almost. So different groups had um, different scenes with Harry, who's uh, the main character. Um, so we it was kind of, it felt like little vignettes of... Harry wonders and meets this group of people and meets this group of people. So we all had like our own, almost like a showcase. It wasn't quite like a... Yeah, it was sort of, it was very sort of narrative and you sort Mm. of fit that. Um, So I remember you playing a part of the Fresh Ladies. Yes. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? So the Fresh Ladies were, there were a, a group of women who were like some sort of hive mind dressed in knitted gear so whenever so when we spoke it was all in unison it was kind of like a greek chorus but it was everyone spoke at the same time um and uh you know i had um sort of outlandish gear um kind of mothering young harry but that sort of mothering where it's smothering Mm. um but i remember aaron being lead of you know maybe he was uh, yeah. hanging around the wrong crowd what type of person were you playing so uh, i was sort of like i was looking back on it and i was sort of the stereotype of what people think seacroft is mm. so i was sort of the leader of the gang i was called i was sneak and mm. uh terry played sly which was the other leader uh and the youth theater that we went to was the actual gang yeah and uh, i remember a, a long conversation with Terry because we had no idea how to. We're we're not like that, you know. Mm, yeah, we're, we're the sort of people that would hug you, not stab <laughs> you. <laughs> so it was like, oh, we we had a really long conversation about how to play that. And, yeah. A uh, little tidbit here. So um, me and Terry was backstage, and you know the the leaflet with the map on it. Yeah. We was following that to find out where we were in the play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I guess now we've um talked about our experiences and i'll give you a little test uh we are ready to maybe um let you enjoy if you weren't able to be there uh, we'd like to thank space two again for putting on the show back two years ago now um and supporting the community to help um bring something nice um for everyone to be a part of Harry lived with his grandfather and grandmother in a small house, in a small village in the north of England. In the village was a small post office and a small church. Everything about the place was small. Harry, however, was thinking big. So, on Harry's 16th birthday, he decided to leave all the smallness behind and escape to the biggest 
loudest place he knew, the seaside. There he would seek his fortune among the colored lights, tattoo parlors, and fairground rides. There's more to life than Sunday school and cricket And Tuesday dances down the village hall There's more than running errands for your neighbours Oh, I'm so very tired of thinking small And what's it all add up to after all? wondering why it always rains when you feel lonely. But this was no time for wondering. Night was fast approaching, and Harry didn't know where he was or where he could spend the night. Fortunately, he wasn't alone for long. <laughs> I've got the off I've got the chocolate ones. You know how nice I know they're your favourites. Do you love it? Hiya! All right. There's a lot of them there. Harry. Harry? Yes, uh, who are you? We're fresh ladies. We're ladies and we're fresh. Ah, yes. 
Oh, the fresh ladies. They're ladies, and they're fresh. They roam the streets at dusk looking for strangers in order to offer them assistance and advice. Assistance and advice. Where am I? You're here, on this park bench. Well, yes, but, well, where is here? Here is everywhere but there. And there is everywhere but here. You are here. But I don't want to be here. Where would you like to be? There. So why, so why are you here? here? Oh, I don't know. I got on a bus, a bus that said, in big black letters on the front, Seaside. Uh, oh, well, at least I think it said Seaside. Simple enough mistake to make. What? Somebody tell me. Come here, come here. Go on, then, ladies, tell him. This is the seaside. This is sea crop. What are you doing? Sea crop. Yeah. Where's that? It's here. So where's the sea? It's not here. What are you doing? Oh, so young Harry found himself here by mistake when he wanted to be there. According to the Metro bus timetable, which isn't worth the paper it's printed on, the next bus to there, to anywhere, isn't until 7 a.m. the following morning. And even then, because of rerouting and cuts to services, it's a two-bus ride via Crossgates. If only they hadn't scrapped the trams. They were reliable, efficient, environmentally friendly, but oh no, oh no, they had to make way for the motor car. Yeah. And where did that get us, eh? 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 Nose to bumper. All the way up and down the York Road. Constant disruption of road work. So Harry was indeed here, stranded for the night. A long way from the alluring magic of the seaside, but this didn't concern our lovely fresh ladies. No. Oh no. Oh no. For as they explained to Harry, Seacroft has its own magic. M magic? Magic. Yes. The ladies revealed to the lost and lonely boy with the little brown suitcase that on the stroke of <coughs> midnight, every evening, Seacroft undergoes a transformation. Transformation. <laughs>
this? A map. A map. A map of possibility and adventure. Goodbye, Harry. Have fun. Harry wasn't alone for long. As he was looking at the magical map, he was joined by a gang of uncouths, led by two young characters by the names of Sly and Sneak. Now, Sly and Sneak, being youths of discerning taste, took an immediate interest in Harry, or at least in Harry's pocket watch. Good evening, my good man. Uh, hello. Not from round here, are you? <laughs> no, I'm here by accident. <laughs> How fortunate. All alone, here, in the dead of night. Just you and your little brown suitcase. And your name is? Uh, Harry. Well, you've no need to worry, Harry. You're a family now. Pleased to meet you. The name's Sly. And Sneak. Or, if you prefer... Sneak. And Sly. And the gang. Introduce yourselves. Inky. Pinky! All of us here to help out young Harry. And his little brown suitcase. Nice brown suitcase. Lovely brown suitcase. Tempting brown suitcase. Oh, uh, yes. The suitcase. Let's have a look in the case. 
Young Harry didn't take much persuading from his newfound friends. He had, after all, packed only the most useful and vital items that he knew might come in handy for a boy's visit to the seaside. One Christmas cracker, uh, a tin of old hair oil, uh, some old metal, uh, an old sheriff's badge, uh, a wooden spoon, a bundle of old sticks, and three worn boots. That's all. That's all. Nothing else? Nothing. Oh, well, except, uh... Yes. Well, I have got this map. Where did you get this? The fresh ladies gave it to me. They uh, said it might come in useful. Might come in useful? That's what they said. Here, gang, look at that. The big red X. So what? So X marks the spot, doesn't it? What spot? That spot, there. And? You mean like X marks a spot in Treasure Island? X is where the treasure is buried. Treasure. Treasure. Diamond. Rare oil paintings, priceless antiques. And maybe all that money that was nicked from Hunslet at the West Bank a few years back, right under the big red X. Which is? In the middle of Tesco's car park. <laughs> well, young Harry, you've come up short. And remember, if you ever need a helping hand, we'll be there. Right, Sly. Right, Snake. So, as Harry packed his miscellaneous belongings back into his suitcase, Sneak, Sly and the gang set off to borrow some spades and find their fortune five feet under the tarmac at Tesco's car park. My friends, they're helping me out. Whoa, Harry, not so fast. Pillock. How do you know my name? Pillock. No, Harry. Ah, I know everything. You have magical powers. Nah, I'm just nosy. <laughs> Who are you? Who was she indeed? Just in the nick of time, this was Mary the Fairy. Come to rescue Harry from Sneak and the gang's pernicious criminality. Mary the Fairy was, unknown to Harry, his own personal good luck charm, ready when needed to come to his rescue and kick some serious arse. I'm Mary. Mary the Fairy. I speak as I find, and the first thing you need to know is, is that those sleaze bags aren't your friends. They're ne'er-do-wells, wrong'uns, beaten down by life, rejected by society that only caters for the rich and powerful. Hmm? But wrong'uns all the same. They, they are. Believe it. But they, they say... They can say what they like. But listen to someone who knows every word they told you to coin a phrase as a pile of pants. Mm-hmm. Like she said, Mary the Fairy speaks as she finds. 
Harry, however, was going to take some convincing. Come on. Let me show you. What are you doing? Just a shortcut. The old uh, drainage system for the mines. We'll be fine as uh, long as it don't rain. Um, what happens if it rains? Why can't you hold your breath? As Mary the fairy would tell you, the quickest way from here to there is always a shortcut. And this shortcut comes with an attached story. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Once upon a time in Seacroft, there lived two rival farming families, the Browns and the Smiths. They lived in Mayfield Farm over there and Pigeon Coat Farm over there. They weren't really called the Browns and the Smiths. We, we couldn't find out the real names, but it's, a, it's only a story, not a documentary. Anyway, they'd been em enemies for so long that they'd forgotten why they were enemies. But enemies they were, and if they met at the cattle market, they would hurl abuse at each other, along with turnips and cow dogs. Now, it just so happened that the teenage daughter of the Browns and the teenage son of the Smiths met one day at Seacroft Gala and they fell in love. And this was unacceptable to the Browns and unacceptable to the Smiths. And they were forbidden from ever seeing each other. But, unbeknownst to their families, the lovers would creep out after dark and by climbing into a disused drainage tunnel at Puzzlegate by St Richard's, they were able to meet up in secret. Ah, their romance blossomed in this tunnel of love until they were old enough to leave their family homes, get hitched and get a house in Kentmere Gardens. <laughs> right opposite Eddie's Appliance and Repair. And if that's not a cue for a song, I don't know what is. I would...
and Mary emerged from the star-crossed tunnel to a most unusual sight. A girl who appeared to have her head caught between two railings of a fence. The views are amazing. <laughs> I've had my head stuck in a fence the whole summer. Who's your friend? This is Harry. <clears throat> Harry thinks that Sly and Sink's gang are his friends. How about you tell him how you ended up in this peculiar predicament? So, Frieda explained to Harry how Sneak and the gang had convinced her that Seacroft got its name because, on a clear day, and from a certain vantage point, you can see all the way to the North Sea. Uh, yeah. And where's that vantage point? Straight through that hole in that fence there. So, you put your head through the fence in the hopes of getting a view of the ocean? Yeah. Don't dodge. I like the seaside all right. It's got seas, sandcastles, ice creams, I'm very slots. I like the seaside too. Frida never did get to see the sea. Oh, neither did I. Hmm. All she got was a view of Brooklyn Towers while Sneak and Sly picked her pockets and left her there, stuck fast in that fence. People came from miles around just to point and laugh. Some of them even brought picnics. Which, frankly, she didn't mind so much because at least she got the leftovers. Xbox in my bedroom, watching daytime telly in my dressing gown. I could be on the bus with my headphones to beat out with my mates in town. But I'm a girl without a future. So oh. 
Jan. I'm going to rip their heads off. <laughs> Why don't you help her get free, Mary? I suppose to have magical powers. Can't you just wave your wand and say some magic words and get her free? Afraid not. Why? Haven't got a wand. Truth be told, Mary was only halfway through her MVQ in magical powers and fairy management. <laughs> you know, the one they do at Leeds City College. I'll tell you what, let me have a look in my case. Harry opened his case and pulled out a tin of hair oil, last used decades ago by his granddad to slick back his receding teddy boy quiff. Doesn't say anything in my book about you being freed by a young lad with his granddad's hair oil. You, here. Um, me? <laughs> We've got a very long way to go, and we're never going to get there if you keep changing the story. But... I'm sorry. Yes. Can we carry on? Just saying. <laughs> Seacroft Methodist Church Hall, next door to Chapel FM, and home to the South Seacroft Friends and Neighbours Group, eh? a secret underground organisation that simply masquerades as local older folk gathering for talk, crafts and singing. Yeah, yeah, shut up, yeah. Right, watch that noise. It's what my grandma calls young people's music. Well, it was indeed a young people's music. In fact, to be precise, it was a music of Dazzle preparing for a show. know is the cause of this calamitous choreography, the reason for the wreckage and the story behind the dance troupe that lost its rhythm. The culprits were sneaking the gang and here's how it happened. At a recent Seacroft gala sometime in the afternoon and as Dazzle were out on the edge of the green running through their warm-up exercises, the gang slipped into the changing tent making off with loose change a couple of mobile phones, and more importantly, Dazzle's rhythm. The way Sly puts it, it was simply lying there waiting to be liberated. <laughs> oh no. 
And now I can't stop dancing. <laughs> what can I do with it? It's no use to me. I might have something. Frida set off looking for the X that marked the spot. Only now they haven't got the map since he's been pinched by Sneak and the gang. But not to worry, Harry's now got two girls with him so he can rely on their superior sense of direction. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, where are we going? Uh, forwards. It forwards in that direction. Yeah, but. Uh... Only if you're upside down, best to uh, navigate by the churches. Because people can get lost for weeks in the Seacroft, you know, in and out the ginnels, up and down the cul-de-sac. But uh, you should never go onto clockwise of a church. Uh, it's a little bit of bad luck, and uh, you might uh, step in dog poop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know where we are, you know. Just give us a clue, then. No. I'll let her tell you. Oh, thank you very much, yes. We're just around the corner from the Dennis Healy Centre on an unassuming patch of grass set back from the road. I know. This was the very spot where Frida's granddad had become a local hero, sort of. He told her the story that many times about how, some time ago, when he was a kid, Probably when dinosaurs walked the earth, he came here to this place to save a tree from being bulldozed. A tree near his old house. A silver birch he'd grown up with. And there it is. When Frida's granddad was just a boy, the old tree used to have a rope swing on it where him and his friends would all play. It was the tree he'd carved his initials into with his first love, Bertha Waterworth. Then one day, they found out the property developers were coming to cut down the tree. Granddad's tree. The kids decided to do something about it. They turned up on the appointed day and holding hands encircled their tree. They had a banner and placards and everything. Save our tree! Save our tree! 
The Yorkshire Post photographer came and took their photo. Smile. <laughs> they were there for what seemed like hours. But it was probably only about 20 minutes. <laughs> then it got to dinner time and they all got a little hungry. And so, with no tree executioners in sight, they went for some chips with plenty of salt and vinegar and scraps. What a welcome meal it was. Protesting was hungry work, that's for sure. And as they ate their chips, they sang a simple song to keep up their spirits. When the children came back from the chip shop, the tree had been chopped down. The end. What? You can't do that! I'm just saying what it uh, says down here. You're supposed to give it an happy ending. Tell us! 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 You're gonna like it. You're gonna like it. Yeah, you better like it. Oh. It's the truth. Right, Do you know you can stand up for yourselves? You lot, Mr. Dyson's teaching you well. <laughs> Here we go. So, I'm doing it. They had a banner, placards, and everything. The Yorkshire Post photographer came up and took their photo. Smile. And then it got to dinner time. But Frida's granddad and his young pals refused to leave their positions. Save our trip! Save our trip! They stayed there all day, and the day after that, and the day after that. Save our trip! Save our trip! Three months they surrounded that tree. <laughs> three months, three long months, until the developers gave in and allowed the tree to stand proud and defiant. And here it grows to this day, a reminder of the determination of one boy and his young friends.
just then our three adventurers heard the, br- the sound. The sound of teeming brood. What is it? Teabing brood? No. It's the sound of an Elvis impersonator hmm? and bingo numbers being called. That can only mean one thing. What? Seacroft working men's club. Is there going to be tea? This is Yorkshire. The three adventurers stepped from the technicolour glare of reality to the dreamlike fuzz of Seacroft working men's club. The three were just in time to be entertained by Seacroft's premier comedian. Testing, one, two, testing. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and fairies. My name's Nat, Nat Funny. I'm from Yorkshire. Yorkshire, the land of ancient trees, wildflowers and too much flipping rain. Yorkshire, where the only place on earth where people grumble if the weather's good. Why why is that? Because a Yorkshireman's heart is always cold and grey. Well, you've got miserable bus drivers and smelly buses. You've got... You've got miserable people wandering around miserable shopping centres. You've got quaint seaside places with cold grey sea. Tell us a joke. Tell us a joke, Nat. Tell us a joke. A a joke? You want a joke? No, I'm sorry. Don't do jokes anymore. I used to do jokes. I used to have plenty of jokes. Jokes with punchlines. Make people laugh. Cheer folk up. But that all ended one fateful night in the squinting cat. Do you know, that's right, the squinting cat. It was about three years ago, beautiful summer's evening, Martha behind the bar, whistling zippity-doo-dah. That's the one. First half of the bingo, done and dusted. Elvis Preston, backstage, slipping into a white velvet sequined number. And Nat, standing in as MC, alone on stage. That's right, isn't it, Nat? That's right, yes. Just me and my trusty book of jokes. There came an almighty noise, a siren, the sound of voices, a fire alarm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the pub's insurance policy. How lucky is that? (laughs) And Nat, not a scratch on him. You can't tell us a single joke. Not one single joke. Chicken cross the road? To avoid my jokes. (laughs) Man walks into a bar? And it burnt down. (laughs) Knock, knock. Go away. 
the funny man who stopped being funny Cause all my jokes that turn out wrong Once I was fun to be around Now I'll only bring you down Cause I'm a party pooper all day long I'm the world's most miserable comedian Punchlines, they run a mile I'll make comedy gold seem fear and cold And my wife drugs never raise a smile I'm the funny man who stopped being funny Cause all my jokes that turn out wrong Once I was fun to be around Now I'll only bring you down Cause I'm a party pooper all day long Yeah A party pooper all day long Right A party pooper all day long Stop! 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 You're breaking a poor fairy's heart. These lovely people have come here for a good night out, for fun and laughter. If they wanted misery, they would have gone to Ellen Road. Any ideas? Um, I can check my case. I found a Justin Bieber concert ticket nailed to a tree, so I pinched it. You never know when a nail will come in handy. <laughs> I, went to, I went to doctors the other day. I said, I can't stop singing Delilah and the green, green grass of home. Oh, he said, you've got the Tom Jones syndrome. I said, is it, is it common? He said, well, it's not unusual. <laughs> My me, me wife hasn't been, been well lately. No, no. Last week when it was raining, she was stood at the window looking ever so sad. Do you think I should have let her in? <laughs> I'm the funny man who's learnt how to be funny. Now all my jokes to turn out right. You're laughing all through the night I'm the world's most hilarious comedian With punchlines and gags galore I love you rolling in the aisles with a laugh and a smile Cause that's what comedy is for I'm the funny man who's learned how to be funny Now all my jokes to turn out right Keep your laughing 
you're laughing all through the We're now going to have a short break. You've been a wonderful audience. Go have a cup of tea, and I'll see you in the next half. Thank you. Harry, Mary and Frida found themselves beside the delightful tumbling waters of Monkey Beck. Watching the minnows and sticklebacks dancing amongst the discarded bicycle wheels. There were no monkeys, despite the name. Only an upturned shopping trolley shirt serving as a reminder that our adventurers were still on their epic adventure to find the X that marked the spot somewhere in the middle of Tesco's car park. At first, though, they wanted to cool their tired feet in the gurgling brook beside Monkey Bridge. It had already been ever such a long night for Harry, and he was exhausted from carrying his suitcase. Quick! But look at the time, Harry. We haven't got long left. Long left for what? The treasure! <laughs> and your best outfit is almost 7 a.m. Come on! Come on! If you've been following on your map, you will see that Harry had almost reached the end of his journey. He'd had a whistle-stop tour of Seacroft and, can you believe it, avoided being run over by lads on quad bikes. <laughs> now, all that was left was to find the treasure and get back to the bus stop in time for sunrise. Unfortunately, Harry, Mary and Frieda weren't the only people looking for the treasure. Treasure, the same as you. But the treasure is mine. Ours. And we've got the map. 
Look. Word gets around fast in sea, craft to sea. I say, whatever we find, we share. I'm not sharing, it's mine. Ours! Alas, it began to dawn on the gang that they were outnumbered. And not only that, they still couldn't work out exactly which spot the big red X was marking. If you show us where the, uh, the big red X is, we might share it with you. Might? Ah. Harry looked at the map and squinted. Then, like some kind of feral animal, he held the map to his nose, sniffing it. Here! What are you doing? I know that smell. Harry began to gently rub the red X with his thumbnail, and, as he had suspected... It's tomato ketchup. <gasps> there is no X at all, it's just a ketchup stain. There is no treasure. Yes. No! Yes! No! Yes! No! Stop being silly. Can I carry on? Yes. And so it was that the good people of Seacroft began to make their way back to their homes. Their hopes dashed and their dreams in tatters. The end. No! The evening can't end like this. Harry's right. It's a rubbish way to end a show. Wait a minute. Yeah. Here you go, Mary. <laughs> it looks like you qualified.